Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 20. Luke 22, 14 to 20. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Father, we pray that you would help us this morning to open up your son's heart towards us. We ask and pray that your spirit would move amongst us and come down and that we would be brought to the foot of your son. For We pray now that all eyes may be turned onto him, that we may see what he is doing right here. For we ask it, Father, in your son's name. Amen. Well, I would have loved to speak to you this morning about the dire need for the gospel to penetrate the people of Somalia and the Somali nation. But I felt it would be more beneficial for you and for me to bring you to Jesus, to take you to the upper room and to sit there for a few minutes with you. So where are we? We are at his last night in the upper room and these are some of his parting words to his disciples who he's been with for three years and we're going to sit around the table this morning and take the camera as it were and just watch what's going on and I hope friends that you will marvel as you sit there with me what we will do is we will do a deep explanation of what's going on here and then you will see for yourselves that there are profound implications of what Jesus is doing and saying. So look with me in verse 14. And when the hour came. Notice that word, the hour. You would remember, if you track our Lord's ministry all through the Gospels, the Lord Jesus has kept on saying, His hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. And his glory was somewhat veiled. His disciples couldn't really get who he was or what he was about. In a sense, he was incognito. Isaiah would say that he, um, he was a man without appearance. There was nothing in his appearance that would attract us to him. And 
the Lord Jesus, they couldn't really figure out who he was or what he was really about. And he kept on putting it off and saying, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. This was now the climax of his life. This was the Everest peak of his life. And Luke would say, the hour came. Like an athlete that has been training, hidden away in obscurity as it were, and training for the Olympics. And no one sees the training, but now comes his glory hour. And that's something of what's going on here. Now is his hour. Now is his hour. Well, what does he mean by this hour? It's as though he's gathering his disciples together in this upper room. And he's saying to them, my dear friends, I want you to know what it is that I'm about to do for you. Well, what is it that he's about to accomplish? What is he about to do for them? Look with me in verse 15. It would tell us, our Lord says this, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Notice that word, Passover. You remember what happened in Exodus. This was a, a feast of remembering what happened how God had saved the Israelites. He had brought them out of the yoke of slavery from Egypt, and he had saved his people. And what, what happened is that there was a judgment of death that was to sweep over the nation of Egypt. And God said to his people, listen, this judgment is coming, and the angel of death is going to come and kill every firstborn son in Egypt, but what you must do is you must take this lamb and you must slaughter it and put it on the doorposts of your houses. And what happened is when the angel of death swept across the nation, those who were marked by the blood of the lamb were rescued from that great death judgment. And so they slaughtered the lamb and they put the blood on the door and sure as anything, in the morning they woke up safe and sound while the rest of the nation of Egypt lay in utter turmoil and distress and anguish. And God said this, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Well, what is happening here? What does he actually mean? Well, I think the one who saw the Lord Jesus most clearly, you would know, is John the Baptist. What did he say when he saw our Lord? He said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God, and he is going to take away the sins of the world. Well, what is going on here? It's as though Jesus is, is saying to them, I want to eat this meal with you as a symbol of what I will do tomorrow when I take your place. To truly understand this, I want you to, in a sense, come with me and let's peek into heaven. Let's open the curtains of heaven and let's, let's gaze into what's really going on here because the Lord Jesus is actually locking into a covenant with his Father before eternity passed, before time began, when it was the Father and the Son and the Spirit before all worlds. There was a conversation, as it were, that took place in heaven and I want you to cup your ear with me and listen to this conversation. And Thomas Goodwin puts it so well. I want you to listen to the Father and the Son speaking to one another, as it were. And here is the Father, and he says, My son, here is a company of poor, miserable souls that have utterly undone themselves and now lie open to my justice. 
justice demands satisfaction for them or will satisfy itself in the eternal ruin of them. What shall be done for these souls? And Christ returns, O my Father, such is my love to and pity for them, then rather that they shall perish eternally, I will be responsible for them. I will be their surety. Bring in all your bills. Let me see what they owe you. Bring them in, that there may be no after-reckonings with them. And at my hand, Father, you shall require it. I would rather choose to suffer your wrath than that they should suffer it. And upon me, Father, be all their debt. The Father says, my son, if you undertake for them, you must reckon to pay the last might. There will be no abasements. If I spare them, I will not spare you. And look what he says. Content, Father. Let it be so. Charge it upon me. I am able to discharge it, and though it would kind of prove an undoing to me, though it would impoverish all my riches and empty all my treasures, yet I am content to undertake it. He's saying to his disciples, my dear disciples who I've been with for three years, tomorrow I am going to make an exchange for you. I am going to take your place. So eat and drink, for this is what I'm doing for you. What does he mean, this exchange? What does he mean, take your place? Look with me in verse 17. He would tell us, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. What does he mean by this cup? What is this cup? What is the fruit of the vine? Well, this is quite simply a cup of wine. Now, would you, you would know from the Old Testament that a cup of wine is the symbol for blessing, festivity, joy, laughter, and happiness. But it is also the symbol for wrath and judgment and fury because there would be a cup of God's anger that would be poured out on the nations for their rebellion against God. And so this cup has two meanings, as it were. On the one hand, it is the cup of blessing and festivity and communion and fellowship. And on the other hand, it is the cup of wrath and curse and judgment. What does he mean by this? It's as though he's saying to them, what I'm doing for you is I'm taking your place and you will take my place. This cup of fellowship and communion that I have enjoyed with my Father from all eternity, I want you to have it. I give it to you. The covenant blessings that are mine as the covenant keeper, I want you to have those. All that I am, my dear friends, I give to you. I give you my very self. And likewise, the cup of judgment that is due for you, 
the cup of God's wrath that has been stored up for your sins against God, I will take them and I will be your substitute. My life for yours and your life for mine. Friends, this is a holy moment. This is the marriage vows. All that I am, I give to you. And the spouse says, all that I am, I give to you. Can you see this? Can you taste of what Jesus is really doing here? What he's actually about? In my place, Jesus died. The spotless lamb laid down his life. The wrath of God was satisfied. In my place, Jesus died. Simply put, he's saying this. All that you need to reconcile you to my Father is found in me. So drink no other cup but this cup that I give to you. we work with the Somali people in East Africa and they are really trying to get to heaven and they are very zealous to get to heaven they pray five times a day and they fast in the month of Ramadan and they do so many things to try and appease God but God said when I see the blood did not say when I see the works that you've done when I see that blood so what was going on here, will you remember in the same night, and John would show us this in John 13, that after this very meal, he would take off his outer garment and he would begin the Lord of heaven to wash the feet of these ordinary sinners, these disciples. And he would say to them, you do not understand what I'm doing for you now, but later you will. And so he goes to Gethsemane, and there again the cup. Father, I don't want this cup. Take it from me. This cup I have to drink for them, it's too much. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Content, Father. He signs the covenant in Gethsemane. Bring in all the bills. Charge it to my account. This is a marvelous exchange. He goes to the cross and the full weight of God's wrath for you, for me, is put on him. The blessed man hangs there, cursed. Cursed by God, cursed by man. And he expires on the cross and he says, it's finished. And you know what happens? You read the account for yourself. It's as though the whole cosmos comes to a standstill. The sun stops and the ground shakes. Satan and his armies are silenced 
though the angels of heaven peek over the balconies, they put their hand to their mouth. Did he just do that? And they marvel. It is finished, Father. I've made full payment for their sins. None shall be demanded from them anymore. What a savior, friends. Now I must tell you one more thing. Notice this, and then we will talk about the implication. Notice his disposition towards his disciples. How would it go for you if this was the night before you were to be executed and treated as a criminal? Your disposition would be inward. Hey, you'd be thinking, woe is me. I'm about to die. But notice, all of his gaze is on his dear disciples. His last breath would be words of comfort and love to them. It's as though he is spending everything that he has on them right to the very end. What does all this mean? What are the implications of this for you and me? Sitting here, far removed from the first century, the implications of this, friends, that if Christ has made a full payment for you and for me, then drink from no other fountain but from Jesus Christ. Come to Him. Come to Him. To believe, to come, to receive, it's all the same language. I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me shall not hunger. Whoever comes to me shall not thirst. So come, friends, and enjoy him. Enjoy him with me. What is the news? The news is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ has made satisfaction for sin. He has made satisfaction for sin. He has made a full payment. Is that not wonderful? Is that not something to lift your head up about this morning? So what stops you right now from coming to him and feasting? This is gospel feasting, friends. This is feasting time. No one is too bad. You're very welcome at this table. The only thing that you need is to thirst. Because he said, if anyone thirst, if you be anyone and you thirst, you come to this table. I remember Sinclair Ferguson once telling a story about the Lord's Supper and it wasn't at his church, I believe, but it was another church and I believe it was in Scotland and the pastor goes around and he's handing the cup to the congregation and there the cup is being passed around to everyone at the congregation and there was this lady, this dear old lady and she was sitting there weeping with her head down and the cup came to her she looked at the cup for a moment. She passed it back to the pastor. He took it. He gave it back to her. 
And he said, take it, lady. It's for sinners. It's for sinners. Now I know there may be one or two of you sitting in the congregation saying, I wish I was one of those 12. I wish I could hear Jesus say those things to me. I wish Jesus would tell me himself that he's washed me, that I'm clean. I wish he would tell me that that great payment on the cross was for me. But you know, Ryan, I don't know if I'm elect. I don't know if I'm one of God's children. And I live in this great fear. Well, I know that sickness, friends. I know that myself. But hear the words of John Bradford. He said this, Let a man first go to the school of repentance and faith before he graduate at the university of election. You come. You don't know if you're his child or not, you come. And you'll find out. You'll find that he is a willing and able saviour. Whosoever comes to me, I promise you I will not cast you out. I'm a whoever and I'm sure you are too. So there's room for you in the kingdom of God. Come. This is our duty, friends. This is what Jesus requires of us. He said the work of God is this, to believe in me, to come to me, to believe in me, to take me, to drink me, to eat me, by faith, as it were. That's to come to him. That's what God requires of you, is that you come to Jesus because he has done everything already. You're welcome to the feast, and the invite goes out to the world, and it comes to your mailbox, as it were, and it says you're invited. Everything is ready. Now come. I sometimes wonder what it would like to meet Jesus in the kingdom and gather at this actual feast that takes place. To be astonished to be found in such a company of holy people in heaven that I of all should be there to look at my Savior and say, Jesus, I know everything in you didn't want to take that cup on that night. Thank you for taking that cup for me. Thank you for making payment for me. What a feast. But maybe one of you says, I don't know if you'll receive me, Ryan. I, I think you'll receive other people. Other people are quite good, but as for me, I'm so bad. There can't be hope for me. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And I can assure you that you're in anyone, so you can come too. We'll end with these words from the book of Revelation. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come.
and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Do you thirst? Come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price.